0: Shalom, everyone. Good evening from Galilee, from Israel. This is Amir Tsarfati. I'm from our office here. Today is the 21st of November and it's Tuesday. And this is a special Q&A session. And I would like to invite uh, to the screen Pastor Barry Stagner from Southern California and Pastor Mike Golay, who will moderate it from Minnesota. Uh, Shalom, gentlemen.
1: Shalom. Shalom
0: Good to see you, just so you know, yeah. we are right now in very dramatic evening in Israel where the cabinet is uh, voting and later on the entire government will vote for the first hostage deal with Hamas. We are looking into a deal that will include releasing of 50 women and children. In every day, 10 or 12 in a matter of four days. And then, if everything works well, we will extend it to 10 per day beyond those 50. In exchange, we will release women and teenagers that are not involved directly in killing anyone, but they are in prison in Israel for uh, terrorist offenses. And so, this is the deal, three for one, I guess you can understand that uh, when we paid a thousand of them for one soldier, I guess uh, we're stronger right now and we only need to pay three for one, but we are voting for it. Israel is divided, the country is divided because we see that this is definitely a move on behalf of Hamas to slow down the offense and maybe to get them back on their feet. But we want to see those babies back. We want to see those women and elderly back. And uh, I think the last portion will be the soldiers, which I believe will be the hardest to get because this is the ace that Hamas wants to keep uh, in order to survive. So uh, this is what we we have right now. And um, if uh, Pastor Mike, if you can start with the prayer and then we'll begin with this Q&A. The Q&A will involve... Oh, we'll include both questions and answers regarding current events. And of course, we're here to answer Bible questions related to them. So, Pastor Mike.
2: Yeah, Lord, right now we pray that this would be a great resource for every viewer. Pray that everybody would consider sharing this so we can disseminate accurate information about what's going on there and also the Bible prophecy questions. Lord, we do pray that you'll give Pastor Barry and Amir wisdom. To address these in a manner which is understandable and satisfying, Lord, so we can walk away with confidence, knowing the truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. Well, we do we do have a few questions already. Did you guys want to jump in?
0: Yeah, just before I, I, I move in and let me let, let you let me make it very clear. This hostage exchange deal is uh, something that of course we want to get our prisoners back but a lot of people don't know is that America is pressing us to do that more than more than we want to do it at this point the US administration is under a lot of pressure from the left wing to ease the suffering of the Palestinians in the southern part of Gaza so one one aspect of of this deal is that there will be uh, about 100 to 150 trucks loaded with supply and gasoline that will enter into the Gaza Strip every day during those days. Uh, Gasoline means one thing, it means Hamas will stay in business because this gasoline will go directly for their ventilation system in their tunnels and their communication systems in their tunnels. So we know that, everyone knows that and unfortunately, this is something that we are being pressed by the U.S. administration for the last few weeks. And so we, we, we are allowing that only if it includes our hostages in return. But let's see what's going on. There's a lot of stuff that we don't like about it. We... we I cannot imagine uh, stopping right now. I mean, there's no way we can stop right now. Israel is deep in Gaza. We are having victory after victory, we crush them everywhere above the ground and underneath the ground. And if you stop right now, it is a disaster for the soldiers, for the people, for our deterrence, and it is a great victory to Hamas. So we you know it's going to be very, very tense
2: a few days ahead of us. All right, let's do it, Mike. Okay, so just a to remind everybody, please write those uh, questions in the chat room. And then we're going to be pulling out ones that we are going to choose to answer. Not every question will be answered, unfortunately, because there's just going to be so many questions. Again, about Bible prophecy, the situation in Israel, and the Middle East. And so the first one is this one. I'm going to direct it towards you, Amir. This one is kind of a, shall we just say, I'll just ask it. Is it possible that Israel could expand into Jordan, okay? Also, what is the future of the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank? And uh, he's asking it from a prophetical standpoint. Yeah.
0: So first of all, Israel is not interested in expanding it to Jordan. We have no problem with the Jordanians monarch, although the Jordanians are having a heavier military uh, presence right now on our border. But I think the Jordanians are afraid that Palestinians will run into their territory. I mean, it's amazing how Egypt and Jordan are so, you know, they're they're, they're so nervous about any Palestinian that will go to their territory. Prophetically, until we get to the point that we're going to have the redividing of the whole region between the tribes of Israel and the Millennial Kingdom, I don't know if we'll have the other side of the Jordan River, but I will tell you that we have no interest in expanding anything to Jordan. I don't think the Jordanians want us to do that. And remember, the Jordanian population is anything between seventy to eighty percent Palestinian. So you don't expect the monarch there to, you know, be totally on the Israeli side. He has to pay the lip service to the Palestinians, but you know, he's not really doing anything significant that will, you know, break the deal between us and them. Uh, so no, I don't see the problem. Palestinian Authority is the same. Thing like Hamas, it's just that they are doing things in a different fashion where they speak to the world in one language and to their own people in another language. The Palestinian Authority denies the Holocaust, denies the massacre of October 7, teaches the, the, their children that we stole their whole land, teaches that their land is from the river to the sea. It's funding terrorists and their families and pays them per. Murder. I mean, the longer they sit because they murdered more, the more money they get. Palestinian Authority has no business in existing, if you ask me. And Israel, or at least the Prime Minister said that we're not going to have this Palestinian Authority ruling anywhere in Gaza. So if you ask me, the Oslo Accord is the source of this whole problem. We brought them in, we gave them weapons, we gave them territory. Gaza was demilitarized before we gave it to them. Gaza did not have a single um, rocket before we gave it to them in 1994. And look what they, what it is now, the largest terror based on planet Earth is Gaza. And so all they did and you know, ever since 94, almost 30 years is just ter- turning this demilitarized area into one of the most sophisticated, well-fortified terrorist based on planet Earth that is underneath the most populated piece of land on planet Earth. So I don't think they should exist. I think that's our next problem, you know, Judea and Samaria, and uh, we'll see what we can do. We have a lot of challenges because everything is collapsing before our eyes, everything we trusted. Not me, but everything, the government, the establishment, the military, everything they trusted came um, crumbling down and, and just shattered our faces. And we realized this was not, you know, something we could trust. So again, it's a lot of stuff on the plate. I don't think this government will survive too long. I think that uh, at some point, we want to change everyone, anyone who had this old conception or will have to go. And we need new people, new blood, and people that do not trust this part of you know, political side and move on.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Barry, this one is directed at you from Malaya. What is the prelude to the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war? Is this part of it? Is this found in prophecy anywhere, what we're experiencing with this war in Israel?
1: Well, I think the continuation of the growing anti-Semitism is clearly part of what could potentially be that uh, spark to the powder keg of the Middle East. I I think that, and I think Amir and I have both taken this position in the past, that the destruction of Damascus is very possibly what will cause the combatants that are named there in the Ezekiel War scenario uh, to come down out of the north and to invade Israel. And we do know that God is going to respond himself uh, to this invasion. So, you know, watching what's happening in the world today, we're seeing several things that are are prophetically related, including Zechariah 12, 3, which is going to be fulfilled during the tribulation where the world is going to be, gathered against Jerusalem. And I believe Jerusalem is symbolic of the whole nation, much like Washington is symbolic of the whole United States uh, and other countries are known by their capital city. And uh, so I think the ultimate fulfillment of that will take place uh, during the tribulation, as I said. But I do believe we are seeing the proverbial greasing of the skids even now, uh, as we see these millions of people around the world, marching in solidarity with anti-Semitic beliefs and this heinous proclamation of the river to the sea, uh, you know, Palestine will be free and all these other things are are advancing the prophetic narrative. And, and I do believe that it, it is possible, and again, because we don't know for sure, but it is possible that this particular mindset that is reaching a global scale would embolden those nations to, you know, in a sense say, hey, the timing's good, popular opinion, world opinion is on our side. Maybe we could see the start of the Ezekiel war scenario unfold right in front of us. But, you know, all that's mentioned there in Psalm 83 about the animosity of the nations toward Israel, we're seeing that manifest itself. We're seeing the Zechariah precursors happen, happening. You know, Damascus is constantly in the news And uh, could very well, one day we get out of bed and it's a ruinous heap. And so there's a a number of things that are potentially the end result of what we see going on right now.
2: Mm, I
0: see. I see. Yeah, Mike, uh, there's a lot of questions about Psalm 83, and I have to make it very clear because people ask on the chat room and also they send us a lot of emails. I'll make it very clear. Psalm 83 is both spirit, the spirit of, of what we have. And it's also a a specific war. Uh, The spirit is, of course, that they want Israel to be destroyed. It is a specific war because it speaks of specific people attacking in a specific Mm -hmm. fashion. And we have to understand Psalm 83 has been fulfilled. It It is speaking about Jordan and Egypt and Lebanon and Syria, the Palestinians inside Philistia. And it speaks also of Iraq assisting them. This is countries that came against Israel. Now, uh, it's important that you understand now it's not countries. Now it is Iran and its proxies. We don't fight the Lebanese. We don't fight the Syrian army necessarily or, or definitely we don't fight the Jordanians or the Egyptians, whether it's the Yemenite or the proxies in Iraq and Syria and Lebanon and Hamas, these are all proxies of one country, of Iran. So that's not the Psalm 83. Psalm 83 is a war where we declared Israel as a state where we changed the name from Palestine after 17, 1800 years back to Israel. And now we have all those countries invading because they want to cut us off. And that the name of Israel will be remembered no more. And that has been fulfilled in 1948. They tried it again in 1967. And those were those countries Jordan and Egypt and Lebanon and Syria. You have to understand that's it. Today, we don't fight Egypt. We don't fight Jordan. We don't, uh, even when it comes to Yemen and Syria and Lebanon, we don't fight the Lebanese. We fight Hezbollah only. That's a terrorist organization. So I'm trying to explain to people Psalm 83 speaks of nations and speaks of a spirit. The spirit is a spirit that we have even now, but the the actual war that it describes, it's a war that has been fulfilled. And that's why when Ezekiel comes, Ezekiel is a different war with different nations. Uh, It's not going to be an Iranian proxy in Turkey. It's going to be Turkey. It's, going to, it's not going to be an Iranian proxy in Russia, it's going to be Russia. So we have to make it very clear that today we're not dealing with Psalm 83. These are not those nations that we're fighting. Yemen is not mentioned in Psalm 83. Yet we have it.
1: You know, uh, let me add something here real quick, Mike, if you don't mind. You know, I think it's important to recognize that, you know, within that Psalm 83 description, like Amir just said, you know, you've got countries that under the names of these ancient people groups dwelt in the land of Jordan and the land of Lebanon. And, you know, again, they are contiguous with national Israel or Israel's national homeland. But like the Hagrites, I mean, they're mentioned elsewhere in Scripture, And, you know, there's a very popular belief that the Hagrites are associated with Hagar and, you know, Sarah's handmaiden. And, and, you know, they're an identified people group, uh, distinct, and they have nothing to do with Hagar. And uh, she is certainly not the matriarch of the Egyptians. So, you know, again, I think if we do a proper biblical exegesis, we can see, you know, what Amir was pointing out. Here you've got Jordan and, and you've got Lebanon. You've got the previous nations that were involved, actually in the uh, uh, effort to destroy Israel on the very day that statehood was declared. And and again, w- another thing I think that's important to remember is that Psalm 83 is a prayer. It's a prayer of Asaph right. for victory. So, you know, uh, again, to, to look at it uh, through the lens of looking at today, well, then Jordan would be attacking Israel. Lebanon, right. you know, the uh, Lebanese people would be, Uh, attacking Israel, as Amir said. So, you know, I I just think, again, uh, as Amir counseled uh, everyone, we need to be careful about uh, wandering into things that uh, may be popular, but not necessarily accurate.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, very well said, gentlemen. Stephen, this is for you. Amir, this is from Stephen. Is Israel going to take over the Gaza Strip? And what are the plans for the land there after the war?
0: I don't think we're dealing with the day after. We need to get to the point first where we uh, fulfill the targets of the mission, which is to crush Hamas, to uh, liberate our hostages, and to bring a new reality there that will not include anyone that uh, wants to destroy us. So that's, that's, that's what we have. From what I can tell you is that, um, if you come to the northern part of Gaza right now, I don't think it can ever be inhabited. I mean, the, the amount of destruction as a result of the shafts and the tunnels and the weapons that were found there, nothing there is inhabitable. I mean, even now when Israeli journalists or soldiers are coming to the area right now, they're, they're advised not to enter into those buildings because they're about to fall, they're about to collapse. Those that are not have not collapsed will collapse soon. So I would say northern Gaza will probably stay demolished. And southern Gaza will be a, refu- a big refugee camp. And either people will choose to leave, to leave to Europe or other Arab countries that would like to get them. Or they will just stay there because they have really nowhere to go back to. And even then, Israel will demand to have the security, control and the ability to go in and go out whenever we need if there is a threat. Look, we never chose this. We, we celebrated a Jewish holiday on Shabbat. We never ever in our wildest dreams imagine that this thing is coming in, in this way. And uh, trust me, no one is in love with Gaza in Israel. <laughs> we, we, The last thing we want is to, you know, do what we do right now. But, you know, we are doing right now what we need to do in light of not only a massacre, but also 240 people that have been brutally abducted and are held under the ground for seven weeks in a row right now. That's why we're there. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We and trust me. If we wanted a genocide, first of all, gen- genocide is not the case because the the population of Gaza is one of the fastest growing population on planet Earth. But the second, I will tell you is this, if it was about a genocide, the war would have ended on October 8th. Wow. It's yeah. not about genocide. In, our soldiers are getting killed because they're so cautious and because they're taking care of civilian population. Hamas is shooting them, we are opening safe zones for them to travel down south. Uh, And so I just want you to know, I know there is no way we can fight this narrative because there's a billion and a half people that are anti-Semites, fed by a very well-oiled media machine that is feeding them with lies and deception. There's not much we can do. But those of us who knows the truth, those of us who understand the truth, at least you need to stand your ground. And not fall into that trap. I lost the, uh, you know, the desire to even try to, you know, try to correct or uh, prove people wrong because they don't want to hear facts. They don't want to let facts confuse them. They are set in their mind to decide that co- we are colonialists. They they kind of forgot that, you know, Britain controlled the land. That was the colonialism, and then, <laughs> this is the Jewish homeland that uh, the Britain, mm. uh, the British people uh, were there for to prepare it for a Jewish homeland. But you know, I'm, I'm. People don't know history. People don't know facts. They right. fabricate everything, and that's why we are here. And by the way, it's the same people who will give you the lies about climate change, about sex change, about everything. It's the same spirit, it's the same deception, and it's the same blindness. They
2: believe the lie, and they reject the truth. Hmm, along those lines, uh, I'm going to select this question because it's a great springboard. Jay Randy brings it up, uh, Pastor Barry. We talk about this, you know, this spiritual, you know, thread that flows through all of this evil. And the, I'll just say it point blank to you. Is the current American administration influencing Israel in any way, either positive or negative, that has not been in the American news? What are your sources saying, and can you give examples?
1: Well, I think both are happening. I think, as Amir was pointing out, you know, the pressures from the U.S. Uh, to negotiate a trade, uh, you know, to release the hostages and the. Uh, the gradual release of them, as long as all terms and conditions are met. You know, I I think that's probably a negative pressure. But then again, we have on the other side, the presence of U.S. military hardware in close proximity uh, to both Israel and the Middle East as a whole. I think that's a positive thing. But I think one thing we have to remember is that part of the last day scenario according to Isaiah chapters two through five, is the world is going to have a a serious leadership problem. And, uh, you know, the descriptive phrases there are uh, things like children as your princes and rulers. And and that speaks of incompetence and and, uh, uh, unqualified people being in places of power, making world decisions. So I think if, if there's a country leading the charge in that, it would certainly be ours. As we see, you know, basically Obama... 3.0 3.0 That's happening right now. And basically, most of the things that were being pushed by that administration for eight years are now being pushed by this administration. And, you know, I think there's so much pressure right now in the political arena with the House and Senate, you know, that there's enough pro Israel people there where Biden is having to make moves that are. Are you know positive on the outside, but we do know you know there's so much in, in the U.S. administration that is corrupt, there's no question about it, and so I, I do believe that we are seeing both we are seeing negative and we are seeing positive things coming out of this administration. And you know, Mike, uh, there's something interesting uh, if I can take just a minute that, that I ran across just in one of my recent teachings on Sunday. And it uh, really, really struck me because, you know, the church and our country is and countries all over the world are divided on the nation of Israel. And, you know, all these claims about the preexistence of a Palestinian state are so easily disproved. And Amir was spot on talking about the ignorance of people today. And all you have to do is ask the simple question, who was the prime minister or president of Palestine in 1910? Or 1930. Who, who, what is the Palestinian coinage, and and what is their archaeological bent? What identifies a piece of property or building, as uh, being Palestinian in origin? And there's no such thing. It all just unravels so quickly. But you know, watching this division, I, I was thinking about the dividing of the sheep and goats, and you know that that Jesus says, you know, how you treated my brethren uh, during the tribulation determines your eternal destiny. And, you know, we do know that, you know, the, the goats on his left were uh, separated from him and went into everlasting punishment. and The sheep on his right uh, went into their reward. And, and, you know, the thing about that is that everybody who is saved is saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We're all saved by grace through faith. So those who are on the right hand of Jesus at the dividing of the sheep and goats aren't there because of how they treated Israel. How they treated Israel is because they put their faith in Christ. And, you know, it's the proverbial cart before the horse thing. And what that tells me is that because the Lord doesn't change, that, you know, if after the tribulation, how you treated Israel is a manifestation that you are saved by grace through faith, then that has to be true now. And anybody with the spirit of the true and living God in them, I do believe today, they're not saved because they support Israel, but because they're saved, I do believe they are going to be in support of Israel. And people today need to be aware of that. And especially Exodus, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 20, you know, the Lord said to the Jews, listen, I'm bringing you back from the places that I scattered you, but I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for my holy name's sake. Because every day the Jews were outside of their land of promise, God's name was profaned. He even mentioned that, you know, the nations are saying these are God's people, and yet they're outside of their land. So listen, this is all about the name of the Lord. This is about God's plan for his chosen people and and all of these prophetic things that are happening. The church needs to get behind it. And, you know, listen, Christians, we need to be careful out there about choosing sides and of course nobody and as Amir pointed out a few moments ago Israel is being super cautious about you know the civilian population and nobody wants to see children or women or innocent people become collateral damage in this exchange but we also need to understand that this is a war of ideologies not just you know simply people groups over land the land is given to God's chosen people uh, as an everlasting inheritance uh, by unconditional eternal covenant. So uh, that's my soapbox. I'll get off it for now. But um, I think that's important for us to understand. that It matters to God that we support the nation of Israel. Genesis 12.3 starts that whole ball rolling as well.
2: Yeah, that was Chantal's question. So you actually answered two questions there, which is uh, really a great thing. So there's a question for you, Amir. Uh, Pau de la Horta is asking, as, as it says in Luke chapter twenty-one, verse ten, that nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Would you consider this war an example of that? And if so, can we expect more no. of these kinds of things in the future? No.
0: First of all, wars and rumors of wars in general will characterize the end times. So, but this is not just a nation against nation. First of all, there is no Palestinian nation, and second, uh, Israel is fighting an enemy that is the enemy of God. I mean, if, if there is one thing you can look in Psalm 83 and read uh, the spirit of all of our wars from, since the very beginning, is that those who hate God and those that are God's enemies come and and say, let us, they go to God's sheltered ones and say, let us cut them off from being a nation. So, so that we're the nation, <laughs> they're a collective group of people from Arab countries. They're come against a nation and wants to cut us off from being a nation. And it's been like that since, you know, forever, but but most mostly, you know, ever since 1948, when we restored the name Israel. By the way, a lot of people don't understand that Palestine has nothing to do with Arabs. And in fact, Arabs can never even name themselves Palestinians without having a problem pronouncing it because the letter P does not even exist in Arabic. So to begin with, it's a name that wasn't an Arabic name, it's something they took from the area that was called Palestine because the Roman Emperor named it after the Philistines. It has nothing to do with Arabs. There is no country that calls itself with a, a name that includes a letter that does not even ex- exist in their language. I mean, that, that alone and not to mention the fact, of course, that the PLO was founded in 1964, which is before Israel had the West Bank or Gaza. So who is exactly, what is the Palestine that they want to liberate, if not where we are? <laughs> so it's not about the West Bank, it's not about Gaza, it's about our very existence. They kept it quiet for a long time, but now it explodes. And now everyone is chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, because this is what they want. They don't want us there. Every flag, every textbook of the Palestinians, even the Palestinian Authority that receives billions of dollars from Europe and America and the UN, they teach that there is no Israel. Israel does not exist in their textbooks. And today on Telegram, I posted, we entered in one of the schools in Gaza, we found fourth grade. We found a big wall with all the photos of their heroes, fourth grade in Gaza. Their heroes are Osama bin Laden and the founder of ISIS, and there's others including, if I'm not mistaken, Hitler was there as well. I mean, this is what even today, by the way, today I posted another photo from the... Yeah, look at that. Look at what you see here is photos and people that are, you know, they killed so many Americans, by the way. But it, if that's not enough, you can also see on my telegram that in the um, city library of Malmö in Sweden, for, in order because it's called supply and demand, uh, uh, in order to uh, keep the interest of the Muslims there, Take a look at what they have on display, on display there in the public library. I don't know if we can have that photo, but um, on display, the public library of one of the largest cities in Sweden today, you can actually see the Arabic translation of Hitler's book Mein Kampf. Here it is on display public library of Malmö in Sweden. And that's from November 21st, this is from today. <laughs> so when, when you have this type of mindset, it's a mindset of not living next to us, it's living instead of us. It's, it's killing us, it's destroying us, annihilating us. And that is exactly what Hamas did. And that is why so many Palestinians around the world and Arabs felt that this day was their best day, although they know what happened. They know the number of children burned alive, the number of women raped and then executed, the number of people that were beheaded and uh, you know their organs were chopped. I mean, we only today we identified a 12-year-old girl. How? Mm. It was all ashes. We found teeth, yeah. we found rings, that's how her earring, that's it, a pile of ashes. We brought for the first time, we brought from the antiquity authorities, you know, archaeologists that deal with stuff that is thousands of years old come to deal with something that is few weeks old because it was just ashes. Mm-hmm. So my, what I'm trying to say is that they really don't want to live in, in peace with us. And so now we have to choose, do we want to keep that monster there or do we eradicate it? And make no mistake. There is no innocent person there. These people, even today, when a barrage of rockets flies out of Gaza, they're happy. And those barrages, those are rockets that are flying everywhere in Israel, over 10,000 rockets. And what about the North? We did nothing to Hezbollah. And since October 8, we have rockets, mortar shells, and suicide drones every single day. Did we do anything to Hezbollah? No. We have rockets and suicide drones coming from Yemen, some rockets came from Syria, because it's about
2: destroying us. And so we're not going to let it happen,
0: and we're fighting back.
2: Yeah, well, a lot of people in their minds, they try to treat these uh, savages as the way that they assume that they're people that think the way they do. And it's a totally different mentality consumed by demonic power. And so that leads me to the next question. Pastor Barry, Mike is asking this. It's about the placement of the rapture in the context of this war and the Ezekiel War. Can you give us your opinion about the placement of the rapture? Is it before the Ezekiel War? Is it after the Ezekiel War? Does this war have anything to do with the Ezekiel War itself, that kind of Was asked earlier.
1: Yeah, again, I think it could potentially lead to that. And you know, as far as timing goes, you know, we don't know the day or the hour, but we're told. uh, I always think it's interesting that there are people who interpret not knowing the day or the hour as not knowing anything. And uh, Jesus said in the heart of the Olivet Discourse, you know, no man knows the day or the hour, but my Father only. But As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. So there is information that is given. And I think we're watching a lot of that happen right now as far as the kind of the indifference to the impending signs of judgment, the buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage, as Jesus talked about. So we are seeing those things. But I do believe that a possible chronology of events concerning the timing of the rapture of the church could be the destruction of Damascus, which basically opens the door for the Ezekiel War and the invasion from the north of the five named nations there in the Ezekiel War scenario. And I I believe that we could be here when those two events happen. Uh, I also believe that we'll probably be uh, taken out of the way, so to speak, Uh, which will allow for the lawless one to rise to power and open the door for the rebuilding of that third temple uh, on the Temple Mount. But I don't believe that we'll be here for the end of the Ezekiel War. So we could see the destruction of Damascus, followed by the beginning of the Ezekiel War. Somewhere during that time happens the rapture of the church and then the conclusion of the Ezekiel War, which would very well uh, open the door for this guy to rise to power and say, hey, let's let the Jews build their temple. Because the truth is, uh, the nations that are represented there in the Ezekiel war scenario represent the vast majority of radical Islam. And if God Himself responds from heaven and destroys radical Islam, I don't think there's going to be a lot of protest about building a temple for the Jews uh, when their God just responded so dramatically and cataclysmically, cataclysmically against these nations. So uh, it's possible that um, we can be raptured today uh, yeah. before any of this starts. As far as the biblical chronology of prophetic events, I think it, it, it might be that uh, we'll see Damascus destroyed and become a ruinous heap. We'll see the Ezekiel War start then the rapture of the church, then the end of the Ezekiel War, and then uh, this very possibly could allow the lawless one uh, to rise to power at that time with the church out of the way and yeah, come yeah. in hand with a covenant onto the world scene and bring a pseudo-peace for a brief time.
2: Do so we know who destroys evil. Damascus?
1: No,
0: we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us who destroyed it, but uh, we you can only imagine that when Damascus is destroyed, the fingers are not going to be pointed at anyone else but Israel,
1: no matter what.
0: But I I, I wanted to also, a lot of people are commenting on the chat room on, on the hostages. Let me, a lot of people don't understand there's a, first of all, there's a lot of fake news. People get some fake email that a soldier said that we just found them all, blah, blah, blah. This is typical classic fake news. That in every war we get from someone that is bored and who wants some attention, and he writes it as if this is not true. Now let me let me explain. Hamas has about two hundred Israelis and forty non-Israelis. There's Thai workers. There's people from Nepal, Nepalese. So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's at least two. If I'm not mistaken, there's Filipinos and. There's some uh, other nationalities, so it's about 200 Israelis, not all of them are in the hands of Hamas. Islamic Jihad took some, certain families took some, everyone took one just because they wanted to have some good business with it. This is how we recovered in the first few days, the Israeli uh, soldier, if you remember, the Corporal Ori Mugadish, because we had intelligence of The apartment where she was held, she was not under the ground, so you have to understand, they're not in the same place. Many of them are under the ground, but not all of them are under the ground. Some of them are spread out in different places. What we can confirm is that at least those that we know that died, they were found dead and they were killed in the area of the Shifa hospital. So. So that's for sure what we can tell you. Now, uh, the closer Israel got to Shifa, the the more they took everyone further south. So we we believe that most of the hostages are in the southern part of the Gaza strip right now. In fact, two of the kibbutzim from where at least 120 Israelis are were taken. There was, you know, there was one kibbutz where Uh, 76 members were taken captive and 24 were shot to death, 100 people, literally half of the kibbutz is gone. Uh, What I'm trying to say is that the two main kibbutzim where hostages were taken are actually next to the southern part of the Gaza Strip. So they were led straight to the southern part. So when Israel is bombing in the northern part and when Israel is destroying tunnels, it's after we made sure that the hostages are not there, we have robots, we have little drones that are that small with cameras and lights. And we fly them all the way in along the the tunnel and we know that it's, it's okay. So there's a lot of stuff that we cannot talk about, but trust me, Hamas wouldn't run for a deal unless they had something to offer. I mean, this is their insurance right now, those people. And if we don't get proof from the Red Cross that that specific person is alive and is healthy and is ready, we are not going to release theirs. So they understand that. How
2: many of the hostages do you think are alive in the Gaza Strip out of the number that's a of good locals?
0: question. That's a good question. Wendy, they... that's another problem. Hamas wants to torture the Israelis and so to prolong it to 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 do it like salami with little piece at a time so the israeli public will be torn to pieces because we love we love our children we love life we don't sanctify death we sanctify life and they know that they sanctify death they could care less how many people are dead i mean literally there's about easy yes easy there's about 6 to 8000 terrorists that are still buried under the ground Dead. And and so, you know, they don't care. In fact, the more humanitarian AA disaster occurs, the better it is for them, because that will put the pressure on Israel to stop and yeah. They sacrifice their own people. But you need to understand their ace is the soldiers, because they, they will say, look, soldiers are a legitimate target, so we, we keep them. And we keep them so you release more of our people. We keep them so you won't touch us. That's the way they do things. And uh, this is why there's a lot of criticism in Israel. Should we do that like that? Or should we just wait for one deal of everyone or nothing? Hmm. And, and, And remember, the more Hamas is pressed to the wall, the more they will agree to a deal that is in our favor. And look, but what can I say? What can I say when there's a nine months old baby? Hmm. When there's a three year old? When there's an eighty four year old? When what? What can you say? You don't want to leave them a day longer there. Yeah. So. It's going to tear our nation, it's going to be a a terrible, I mean, the decision is from bad to worse, there's no good decision here. And we are expecting some very, very tough weeks ahead of us as Hamas will literally torture us with those small deals, one after another. And again, these are two different world perceptions. There's. Those that say, don't give them anything, go all the way, press them with a gun to the head and give so they can give us everybody. And there's those that are saying, unless we get them now, we might never see them again. You know, we had a soldier that we waited seven years to get him or six years to get him. That's right. hmm. And so we, we don't want to get there. I mean, we have uh, one navigator from the Lebanon war that we've never seen him. So yeah, yeah. it's not going to be easy. A lot, of, a lot of tears, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. You can imagine if you're a father of a soldier and you know that there is a release of terrorists, there is a release of prisoners, there's an exchange and your son is not part of it. Mm-hmm. You sent him to fight and nobody is even considering him to be priority because you understand how, how everybody's thinking right now. So, again, it's the, the options are bad and worse than, and and uh, it's going to be, we need to pray for the Prime Minister, We need to pray for the military leadership. These are days of decisions that we haven't had a chance to or need to take since the War of Independence. This is our second war of independence. And uh, yeah, we we just I just hope that we will not be torn to pieces as a society because, When we enter that war, we were so weak. Thankfully, this war brought us together. I just hope that it'll continue and not
2: fall apart right after the war. Yeah, yeah, me too, and I just want to say I appreciate you bringing up prayer. We do that three times a week right here online. Many -hmm. of you are praying. We've seen miracles. I would love to see all hostages alive and released like Mm -hmm. yesterday, and it's horrible. So. Can I move uh, to the next question, which is really kind of a swing of emotion here to more of a theoretical question? Maybe not even. That's about Russia, Pastor Barry. Um, a lot of people have a lot of theories about Russia's involvement. What do you know about Russia's involvement of this Hamash strategy? Are they working with Iran? If so, how? And the, it's a loaded question. Does that play in any way, shape or form into the Ezekiel 38 war?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen Sergei Lavrov and uh, others putting pressure on Israel and uh, making demands for a Palestinian state with an East Jerusalem capital and all these kind of things that we're seeing in, in, in conjunction with the Turkish government. And and of course, there's involvement there. you got two major players in the Ezekiel War scenario putting pressure on Israel to basically bend to world opinion and, and give the Palestinians what it is that they're after. And, you know, so we, we do very definitely see uh, involvement in that regard. But I also think early on we talked about this, that it's kind of curious that the, the Palestinians there in Gaza went from incendiary balloons and kites dropping uh, little gas-filled balloons on Israeli territory, farmland and forests, and an effort to destroy or disrupt uh, normal life there to where they're now having bomb-dropping drones flying over uh, the region. And, you know, where did they get that technology? How did they, they go from kites uh, with a, a balloon tied to the bottom of it to drone technology in such a short span of time, a year or so since this has transitioned? So somebody had to uh, be involved with that. And so, you know, we've got the Russian-Iranian... Uh, tie as possibilities. And, you know, the last that I heard, I, I think Amir actually reported this and there's only two nations in the world that has a technology for bomb dropping drones. And that is the United States and Russia. So, you know, it's very possible that, that uh, Russia has been, I don't know if you could use the phrase indirectly involved because all involvement is direct involvement. Uh, even if uh, you don't have boots on the ground, so to speak. So yeah, there, there's a very a real, I believe possibility that, Uh, Russia has been working behind the scenes because we do know that the motivation for the invasion of Israel has some very, very strong economic ties, especially to places like Russia, where energy products are so pivotal in the survival of that uh, war machine, so to speak, with, you know, 60 percent of Russia's gross domestic product is energy related products. So they can't afford to have Israel sending natural gas down to Egypt being liquefied and shipped into the European market so it kind of makes sense that they would would side with the Palestinians in this and and you know whether or not they were providing hardware or technology advice or counsel that's that will be found out someday but uh, I would say that there is a definite motivation to side. Uh, with those who are siding against Israel, because that's exactly what they're going to do when the Ezekiel invasion happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Amir, do you think that this war has triggered Jewish emigration from their countries towards Israel to immigrate? And for that matter, does there have to be a massive Jewish immigration no. before the rapture?
0: Absolutely. There's there's two things that are happening right now in the Jewish world. One the jury around the world understands that eventually they will, as, as liberal as they can be, they're now being hated by the same liberals that were their friends just a few weeks ago, just for being Jews. And so unlike Americans or Europeans, Jews, wherever they are, have an option and that's Israel. And so now they finally understand if I cannot go in New York City or London or Berlin or Paris with my Yarmulke or my Star of David or whatever, if I cannot even attend the synagogue, right. well, I can't, I, you know, I better think maybe I should, after all, move to Israel. In Israel, that's everybody can do that. But in Israel, I see a great exodus of Jews from materialism, hedonism and secularism all the way towards Uh, Judaism in different shape and forms, they're more open to the divine presence, they're more open to, you know, there is a God. It's like half a way towards understanding that not only that God exists, but God sent His only begotten Son. And so it's a a good thing, although many of them are holding on to it because uh, of uh, kind of religious or superstitious uh, reasons. I'm going into Gaza, I don't want to die. So maybe if I say that many prayers or do this or do that, if I'm if I do it the right way, I will find favor uh, in God. So I so
1: mm.
0: you know whether it's superstitious or it's really truly genuine. Again, these are the people that just up until a few weeks ago would not even say that God exists.
1: Right.
0: So you're again you see Jews around the world for the first time saying, it's time to move and Jews in Israel for the first time saying, it's time to move towards belief in God. And the last thing I will say, now it also brought healing between Jews all around the world and Israel because this whole judicial reform and and the propaganda that the, the liberals in Israel did really brought a great rift between Jews around the world and the Jews in Israel and right now we are all in the same boat we all understand hey forget about judicial reform everybody wants to destroy us right now just for being jews i mean that's that's the this is it that's so basic right now so now you see that what hamas meant for evil because they, they truly thought that w- this is like spider web we're about to collapse we're about to come crashing down this our society is so weak it'll fall apart and they underestimated the jewish way to come back even stronger as it always happened throughout the course of history so again not because of us because of him because he will not let us fade away i am god the lord says and i do not change therefore mm-hmm. you are not consumed o sons of jacob right. that's wow. it As long as God exists, Israel cannot be completely annihilated. And you know, the Arabs don't know that. They they don't understand that. they can say from now until tomorrow that they believe in the same God, but they don't. Ask them if they believe in the Lord God of Jacob of Israel. They will proudly talk about Moses, they will proudly talk about Abraham, but they will never call their God the God of Israel or the God of Jacob, never. and. No, we we, we see what's going on right now, and we're not surprised. Israelis are sobering up right now. And I hope that it will last long because Israel has to win. We have to find peace, not for long, but find peace and prosperity and stability and no fence and no walls in order for the Ezekiel war to come. The Ezekiel War comes when we have no more walls and fences and we are strong and prosperous. So for that to happen, we need to win this one,
2: and I believe we will.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Okay, gentlemen, we're out of time. We have two minutes left. I'm going to throw one last question at you, Pastor Barry. This will be the, the last one. Is China involved in any of this?
1: Well, again, like Russia, it's possible they could contribute Kind of under the table, so to speak. But, you know, China's got its own problems going on right now. And Mm -hmm. uh, they've got some trouble in their economy and all that. And, you know, people are often concerned about China and their, because, you know, one, the population, their world influence and all that. I don't see any direct ties with all that's going on. You know, other than an anti-Israel position like Russia and, and many other nations of the world, so no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't see any specific ties. Even though, again, the contributions on the side could certainly be be there, and we do know. Again, they have some pretty significant interests in the uh, energy market and uh, products that they they need to run their economy as well. So, you know, but. You know, are they sending missiles to the Palestinians? I don't think so.
2: Right, right.
0: I think the biggest contribution of China to this thing is TikTok. TikTok is messing up with our youth, with uh, not ours, but with the world, uh, yeah. teenagers, and all of the stupid anti-Semitic things like Bin Laden's letter to America and yeah. so many other things. These are all TikTok. They're, there's uh, active Iranian, Chinese, and Russian elements in, that are pushing those narratives on TikTok. And TikTok is dangerous. It's dangerous. It is very bad. It is messing up your children. Stay away from it.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's our hour, gentlemen. Yes. This was chat. Guys. Yeah. I want, to,
0: uh, I want to encourage everyone. You know, Barry and I are under a lot of attack because of the content that we share. Um, both of us are having up, upcoming books that are released that we feel and we, we know for a fact that there are a lot of shenanigans there with, with, the, with the pre-sales because of elements that don't want our books to be out there. That's right. So uh, let me show you Barry's upcoming book and I would like to encourage you to pre-order it. It is so relevant. The Time of the Signs. And uh, it's an important book that I want to encourage you to get uh, and and don't let the enemy uh, push it down. And at the same time, also, my upcoming book that is the sequel to Revealing Revelation is Discovering Daniel. And again, face I mean, Amazon, I see the elements that are trying to push it down. Please pre order it now and get it up there so it will not be ignored by Amazon. Again, we also have by out of the far north, this is the one if you want to enjoy both what's going on and see an amazing, amazing thriller, this is it, out of the far north. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to sit and start writing the fourth of this uh, series of Near Tavor Mossad. Okay, Barry, would you close in a prayer? Uh, that'll be great.
1: Absolutely. And Father, we are so grateful for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that we are not misinformed, uh, but you've told us all the things that we need to know. And we've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness, even in the midst of perilous times, even as we see the world racing toward its prophesied end. Lord, we know that there is a hope uh, that comes through the nation of Israel, in the person of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We do pray for the safety and return of all the hostages. We pray for the protection uh, of the soldiers who are going in and getting the job done uh, that's necessary for the protection of your people. And, uh, Lord, so we just ask for divine favor. And, again, we just thank you so much for uh, letting us know what it's going to be like. So we need not live in fear and we thank you you've given us uh, the opposite of that power love and a sound mind and so lord i pray for Amir as this weighs heavy on him i pray for his family and uh, lord all concerned as they watch uh, the world turn against them as you said would happen in these last days but lord we also know our redemption is nigh. Nice, so help us to keep looking up as we pray for the peace of jerusalem and we thank you, Lord, for this time today and pray it was an encouragement to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Guys, thank you so much. Again, the, t- the sign of the times. Yeah, the sign of the times. Yeah, the time of the signs. Excuse time me. The time of the signs. The <laughs> time of the signs and discoveringdaniel.com. You can go to discoveringdaniel.com also and pre order this. Thank you. I love you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Barry. Thank you, Pastor Mike. And I'm flying to the U.S. to meet with some senators and congressmen in D.C. uh, next week. And then uh, we have some time elsewhere for some other strategic meetings. And then I'll be back in Israel. I'll see you probably from the U.S. on Middle East updates or some breaking news. Thank you and pray for us here. Pray for my family that stays behind and uh, pray for this country, we need, we need so much prayer, thank you. Thank you again, God bless you and please follow me on Telegram. Follow me on Telegram for update on, on around the clock 24-7 of what's going on here. Shalom, God bless you and see you
1: next week. Shalom.